VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech Athletics Podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I am your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Dude, I'm recovering from a an overly long evening couch nap, so I'm ready. Let's go. Let's talk some football. Before we get started, because I know everybody loves to see this, did you see me get absolutely bodied on Twitter today? <laughs> no, I did not. I was so hasty to post some criticism about Shuck. I was wrong. And uh, the good fans that are Texas Tech fans that are just ready to attack anybody... Let me have it. Yeah, I admit it's, uh, I was wrong, it, and then they piled on some more. I was like, what else do you want from me? I said I was wrong. I actually said you were right, even. But here I am, still alive. It's still recording a podcast. Pretty hostile for uh, pretty hostile for week going into week three, isn't it? It's going to be a fun season. Yeah. Guess what? The shuck hate will continue tonight. We'll be oh, all over. Okay this podcast um specifically i was talking about the fourth down play which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about um but it was bad the 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 play execution was bad let me, uh, let me be clear um the play execution on fourth down to give the ball back on the 33 it's bad news bears hindsight sure helps um we'll talk about that though we're gonna talk about all kinds of Oregon stuff. We also have Tarleton State Texans coming into town. We'll preview that. Um, but if it is not like IMG Academy just absolutely demolishing Toronto prep 96-0 at the half, there will be more naysayers and people coming out of the woodworks to talk about how bad this program is and the, the direction uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but... Speaking of program and direction, Micah Hudson, five-star all-world wide receiver committed, announced his commitment. Excuse me. Uh, I believe he committed back in June, especially when we look at the retweets from Kitley. Um, he retweeted himself. He quote tweeted himself, quote zeded, reposted himself, whatever you want to call it. My goodness. Um he kept the receipts. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think there was an official announcement. Plus all, all the pictures you saw that they, they posted, uh, especially with uh, Micah Hudson and Will Hammond together. And then all the coaching staff with, with him. I, those were those were taken on a visit. I believe it was, the, the announcement was planned. I don't know if it was specifically supposed to come out after Oregon. Um, if they were banking on some... Uh, some great momentum at this point in the season or if 
they came out and said, hey, like we, 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 we could use some positive spin about now. Doesn't matter. You landed just an absolutely phenomenal athlete. We'll talk about that also. Um, look around the rest of the Big 12 and uh, wrap up with what do we learn, Michael. So you want to you wanna talk some footy-footy football? I'm ready. Let's do it, man. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. A pump thing. It's Martinez, Nehemiah, touchdown. Crossing pattern, there it is, Miles Price. He's got room. Down the sideline, miles and miles and miles. 54 yards, a touchdown. Look at the end zone, Bradley, he's got it. What a start for Texas Tech. And handed off Brooks, finds the hole, Brooks up the middle, and he's gone. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Uh, Daniels will go to throw, looking towards the end zone. It is Smith, and it's intercepted. Adrian Taylor Demerson. Morton runs it over the middle, and it's caught. Bradley breaks a tackle, sprints in the end zone, and touchdown, Texas Tech. Shot winds up the deep ball, sideline, caught. Touchdown, Red Raiders. What a throw. And now senior scores. Hutchings with a senior moment. <laughs> Gabriel. And is it picked off? It is. Adrian Taylor Demerson somehow rips away an interception. Designed quarterback run. Yes. Touchdown. Texas Tech. Looking for a punch. Another big play for the Red Raiders. 
I had a thought, Michael. What was that? That's way too long. <laughs> I it's, I got it's the pretty music. lengthy intro. I got the music and I, I just cut enough highlights to, to cover the music. We need we need to shorten the music. We need to find a different but, version. We need yeah. to cut this down to like twenty seconds or something. Golly. Yeah. Might need the Cliff Notes version next time. Why don't you just jump right into it and just stop playing the intro? I don't know. Yeah, it's cool every now and then, but shoot. Uh, Y'all ready for us to just absolutely obliterate this dead horse? Because we're going to do it. I've seen seen the notes, and I believe you. It's happening, guys. I don't have a timestamp you can skip forward to, because this is all live right now. But uh, (laughs) if you don't want to be here for the Oregon talk, buckle up. Find that fast forward button, I guess. Um, offense. Let's start there. Um, Michael, you you were in our, our prep. You looked at third down. Uh, why don't you tell us about how bad third down was? Or actually, well, getting you know, to third down was bad. Yes. Uh, getting Going back to week one up in Laramie, when Texas Tech had a third down, it was an average distance of seven and change. I think 7.1 or something. And this last week, it was even worse because we thought that was bad enough. But in your own house, average third down distance was third and 8.2. And then so you completed first, only seven of 12 of those. So 58%. It's actually pretty good, though. Of course. Yeah. And, and you know, that was something we talked about last last week as well is – then that will naturally limit your fourth down attempts probably because you're not going to be getting six, seven yards on every third and eight. And so you only had two of those, one of which I, I'm sure we're going to talk about very in depth, but you did convert on one fourth down, but not the other. So if, if you're not getting a first down in the first two plays, that's, then you're stuck with the third and eight, basically. It's trending the wrong direction. Yeah, I, I want to skip ahead a little bit. This is something I found in the the 10 points that Seth put together over in Staking the Plains. If you're not reading those on Sundays, you are missing out on some great uh, nuanced analysis uh, from somebody that's not giving an instant reaction um, before people are coming out with full game recaps that are, that are rewatch. But he said... <clears throat> Uh, big plays were the majority of the offensive production this weekend. Uh, I don't know where, where he found this, but I'm, I'm trusting it was accurate. 341 yards of your offensive output this weekend came on 14 plays. Which comes up to 24 and a half yards per play. Uh, you did finish the night with 456 total yards, which means you had another 115 yards that you picked up on the other 57 plays which means you averaged two yards per play. If it wasn't a big play, it was only two. It's two or 25. So 50, 57 snaps, you went six feet. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then on forty on 14 of them, you went 75 feet. That doesn't seem sustainable. I think that's going to be a phrase I say probably 10 times. No, on this episode. Apologies in advance. The the other thing that 
is not sustainable is counting on the other team to hand you timely penalties, mm-hmm. sometimes multiple times on your scoring drives. Um, you will likely not face a team that will commit 14 penalties again. No. Um, now, some of those you you caused, right? Uh, some of the like it's not like you drew them off sides, but you uh, you found matchups where you could exploit a deep throw and either like of the three outcomes, you got a, a pretty uh, favorable outcome with the defensive pass interference. Um, I mean, you 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 were successful in doing that. You did catch a couple of those deep throws too, so it's like. It was working. Obviously, again, if the 341 yards on 14 plays is accurate, you were able to break off some some good plays. Um, you just wish that, like, maybe the other 57 plays weren't just two yards a pop. Um, yes. <laughs> often su- success rate. So this is based on you picking up expected yards on standard downs, like, or uh, on your play. And I, I don't have the exact metrics, but it's like you pick up a certain number of yards on a run play, certain number of yards on a pass play, and first or second down, all, the, all those kinds of things. Um, it's 32% for this game. Even with the, the explosion, explosive plays, 32%. The bookmark, the bookmark, the uh, benchmark for what's bad is 40%. You were under that. Uh, this second strike game that you were under or that you were in the 30s, uh, I think you were 38 last week. So again, turning in the wrong direction there. Um, I want to talk turnovers for a second. I'm going to count five of them, so I'm going to count that uh, non-converted fourth down as a turnover, especially since it led to points. You had five. You had five turnovers the night. Um, and they got progressively worse. <laughs> Um, like legitimately throughout the night, just worse and worse. Like it just the significance, the impact it had on the game. Um, first turn- turnover came on the fifth drive. Uh, at the point, this is the the drive where you you lost the fumble. And this is according to stat broadcast. So I I it this doesn't sound right. This doesn't seem right. Um, but it says you went seven plays had picked up a net of one yard and then you fumbled it. Really? So like you had gained a first down and then you went backwards, but it says that fumble was very deep in behind the line of scrimmage. So maybe they, they counted the, the one total yard was from where Oregon took over possession possibly Possibly, because The fumble, uh, this was this was the play that Shuck looked like he was trying to throw the ball, but as he was going up with it, the defender hit his arm, uh, so the ball goes backwards. He goes further back. Um, as Shuck attempts to recover it, he kicks it, so it continues to go the wrong direction. So maybe that, that that's where that, that the yards was. But anyways, seven plays, one yard, based on probably where the ball was recovered and a fumble loss. Uh, your second turnover came on your eighth drive, so you had a few more drives in, the, in between there. Uh, it was was your second possession, the second half, so you had the first possession where you scored a touchdown. Uh, you came out with some positive momentum, scored that touchdown, 
held Oregon to a three and out punt. You even blocked it partially. And then on first down, you threw an interception. Okay. I, sorry to go back to the points you already, you have already made, but that was exactly it. The, on that drive, you had gains of where Shuck fumbled the ball to Oregon. You had gains of five, two, five, five, six. That's 23 yards. Mm Mm-hmm. And and then uh, they pinned us for negative twenty two on the sack. There so okay. there's your gain of one. That makes sense. Um, so the interception he threw, the first interception he threw, was first down after the blocked punt. Um, somebody else that was doing some film review on Twitter, uh, Emery Lida said it looked like it was some confusion between he and Bradley that um, that possibly Bradley had an option route um, and they were on two different pages of what Bradley was supposed to do or was going to do there. Um, Bradley went out instead of in. Mm-hmm. And the ball was thrown in. Um, it looked like Jordan Brown was also in the vicinity like as in had Shuck thrown or like the ball ended up short because he just didn't put enough zip on it or something. Um, but it was kind of in line headed towards where Brown would have been uh, just a few yards short of that. Um, which brings up a point like, I don't know. Like I, I I'm not a scout. So I'm not going to say like he has a, he has a 85 rated arm or a 74 rated. Arm. I don't know. Um, I can tell you from my perception, my my observations of watching this game and others too, but for whatever reason, Shuck was late a lot. And his arm strength can't, uh, can't make up being that late. Um, there were several other throws that weren't intercepted that nearly were intercepted because they were behind the receiver. Or um, he was late on the decision to make the decision to throw uh, by the time he got the ball out. Like there was an incompletion he threw to Miles Price where like Price was open on the sideline um, and Chuck was rolling. Um, had he identified that Price was open and thrown it, um, it's possible that that, was a, uh, that pass was completed. Um, but anyways, it just looked like there were things happening faster than he could process, whether that was a result of Oregon, uh, the offensive line, Shuck's headspace combination of all three. I don't know. I'm, I don't, I don't have access to all that data or be able to talk to him and get truthful answers. Right. Cause like I'm just a nobody with a Twitter account. Um, anyways, my observation, he was late, and you can't afford to be late um, with the ball. The uh, the third turnover was the, the fourth down um, miss. It was on your 10th drive, so two drives after the interception. So really there was the interception, one drive, and then the fumble. Sorry, and then the, the fourth down. Um, this was your first drive in the fourth quarter. 
uh, you ended up giving the ball back on the 33, where Oregon then responds with a touchdown. The play looked like a um, quarterback power with a guard, like a the backside guard was pulling. Um, I don't know the person on the end of the line of scrimmage on the backside, whether it was a tight end. You had two tight ends on the play side. You may have run, you know, 13 personnel out there, one running back, three tight ends. Um, so you had two tight ends on the play side. You had a pulling guard and you had Taj Brooks. You had at least, on my count, you had one more blocker than you had defenders in the box. Uh, there was a whiff somewhere along the defensive line, offensive line where a defensive tackle got free and he's the one that made the tackle. Um, this is where I was, I was wrong. I, I had a, the view of the, of this play on that backside, there's a corner blitz coming in, uh, from the guy that was covering Jordan, Jordan Brown, who was the furthest receiver out. Um, in my haste to find criticism against Chuck, it looked like Brown got to the line of like got to the sticks and turned around like he was expecting a throw or being ready to do to receive a throw. Right? Um, there was a safety over the top, nowhere close. Um, so it was like Brown's wide open. But my thought was maybe, maybe that was a, a possible an RPO. Um, others pointed out Chuck didn't have any like he didn't give any kind of read like he didn't show that he, he was he was reading anything he got the snap tucked it and ran um so brown that was what i remembered for what it's worth that yeah. i remember that too it was just like a designed play up the middle that yeah. failed spectacularly so brown turning he was just trying to see the results of the play um and then i had some people say well if he just had, had bounced it outside you know who was outside the other cornerback who was unblocked like it following your the blocker the pulling lineman which is what i which is what it looked like he did um not a a a terrible decision i don't think you would think you'd you know following an offensive lineman through the hole like you should be pretty good there uh it was another blocker uh another defender that got off a block um the offensive line got no push on that play nowhere along that line did you see an offensive lineman run blocking go forward which another reason why no. I was like, hey, maybe they were trying to, you know, slow down the, the defensive line and, and and there was an RPO possibility. No, they just got got their asses kicked. All eight of them. You had five offensive linemen, three additional blockers. Nobody was successful in moving their defender back. Um but I was wrong. Whatever. It was fourth down. It just you just didn't execute it. Um you would you would hope you'd be able to pick up two yards on the ground with 10 offensive guys in the box versus eight. Oregon brought a ninth one in late, but what's crazy. Did you say was, was it fourth and two Mm -hmm. and tech had averaged two yards on 115 plays? No, 57 plays that night. Just not that one. Yeah. You needed two yards there. Oh man. Um, and then on your 12th and 13th drives, those ended in interceptions. One was the pick six. One was the one in the end zone, the arm punt that ended the game. Um, I, 
the the last three of your turnovers came in the fourth quarter on drives 10, 12, and 13. Um, um, You had four possessions in the fourth quarter. Only one of them had a net positive result, which was a field goal. The other three ended in a turnover. All four of those possessions started after an Oregon score. So you got the ball on a kickoff, turnover, kickoff, field goal, kickoff, interception, kickoff, interception. That's what I meant how every turnover significantly was worse than the last one. It just compounded. Yeah. And just and, and something I, I failed to mention during the instant reaction is the nature of going up two scores and then still losing. Because at one point, Tech was up 27-18. Mm-hmm. You were up nine points. And that was with, let's see, six minutes left in the third quarter. And to just see that slowly slip away because of the turnovers you just explained, basically. Yeah. So you can't you can't get you know give the ball over to the other team on three of your next four drives basically. Yep. Um of those five turnovers, even though Shuck was the ball carrier, I'm not attributing the fourth down failed conversion on him. I still would I would still say four of them were his, not five. Um this team, I mean, one, you can't be minus four in the turnover margin and win a game. Understand that, like, I, I say that, I understand that, but also the mistakes that he is making, this team can't survive. Like, you can't overcome the mistakes he's making. It's not like, oh, he whiffed on a block. No, no, he's throwing a pick six more than anybody else ever should. And this is something that the the, the Gauchos talked about. I don't, uh, I don't know the exact number. Uh, it was something that Kyle referenced, but it said something like he's throwing a pick six on one percent of his 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 attempts, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's statistically significantly greater than anybody else. So his mistakes, backbreaking. It's like a high like. Different, but it reminds me a lot of the criticisms we 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 had against Donovan Smith, right? Like he would hold the ball for too long, and he would take sacks. We're like, man, high high ceiling, low floor. We're we're seeing those extremes with Shuck too. Um, the other thing that, that I noticed is that with his tardiness on his his reads and his throws, like he's not throwing anybody open. He's, thro- he's thrown to some open receivers um, like that touchdown in the second half to Deron Bradley. Um, he was open and he hit him in stride. I, I, mm-hmm. I mostly, I, I, I think he, if he had to slow down, it was, it was very minimal. It obviously didn't, didn't cost him a score. Um, but then I think about like uh, that 
whatever the play is called, um, where you, you handed it off to, to Price and he pitched it back. The flea flicker. Oh, he, flea flicker. He threw yeah. it to, to Dre McCray. McCray had to stop. Well, um, he's he's pretty speedy. Yeah. It also Shuck had throwing his face. Um, so there's that. But but still, like he's just not he's not throwing guys up and you're you're your receivers aren't good enough to create separation on their own. You're you're relying on a scheme to do that because of other three options, whether the receivers are doing it or the shucks doing it or the scheme is doing it, you're really only hitting on one of those right now. Um, now, McGuire said in his post-game comments that he thought shuck threw a great ball. Uh, I wonder, I, I, I didn't listen to the, the press conference comments, all of them today. I wonder what he thought after seeing the film. Um, yeah, or if that, that was changed. even questioned. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I that we talked about was how much Shuck ran the ball. Um, Kitley was asked that and he addressed that. He, I think he said there were seven, like he he called in seven quarterback runs. Uh, and then he said there were seven to eight additional RPOs where there were obviously options where Shuck ended up keeping it. Um, a handful of those were scrambles where the play broke down and he, he was able to break free and some of them were sacks. So... I know we, we talked about like Shuck, he can't be running this many plays. You can't be avoiding the, the, the running backs as much. So that there were some, uh, I, I, I would say I would soften my stance against our criticism on Kitley and his play calling. However, um, I, I know that they, that, that they track stats, that they're, they're keeping up with how things are going. Uh, he said he's not going to force it, but when you've got a running back that is averaging more than six yards per carry, you got to keep giving him the ball until it, that stops. And I'm that six yards per carry is me taking out his 35 yard run. He was actually averaging 11 yards per carry on the night. It's six carries for 66 yards. If you take it to the 35 yard run, he was still averaging 6.2 yards per carry. So it's not like you were running two yards and just gave up on it. Um, Xavier, maybe they just don't trust that line as much, you know, like you pointed out on that fourth and two play. If you have that many guys up there and you still have one more than what's in the box and you still can't get an adequate block off for two yards. Maybe there's something there that we're not. I, I still think it's worth trying. Obviously when they do run the ball, it has worked so far in the sparing in the 17 times they've handed it to Taj Brooks in two football games, one of them, in time, which I think is where he got most of his carries in Laramie. Then that's seems like a pretty winning formula to have that as part of your toolkit. Yeah. And maybe shucks keeping him when he shouldn't, but man, I'd, I would like to see, Taj Brooks, who's a playmaker, have the ability to make some plays. Yeah. Have at least the chance. Well, and, and so here's where I think some of it is is still schematically on, on the offensive coordinator. Xavier White attempted a rush before Taj Brooks did. 
to make it worse. Like this is after Xavier White had gone off the field on an injury, came back, and then still attempted to run before Brooks did. And this is something else I, I picked up from 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 Kyle's notes. He said we were running play action before we even ran the ball. Yeah. Which is like, well, I mean, maybe that makes sense that you're trying to catch them. Like they're expecting you like surely by now they're going to run the ball. And then you're like, you, you, you continue to run play action. But also like play action doesn't really work unless they're biting on the run. And if you're not running, there's no reason to bite. They're just, you're just slowing everybody else down. You're giving the, mm-hmm. the pass rush more time to get to the quarterback. So I don't know, man. I'm not the offensive coordinator. Again, I'm just a guy with a, with a Twitter account. What do I know? Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about on the on the uh, the offense? Yes, I wanted to prepare everybody because, as as always, but usually not this early, there is a lot of clamoring for a quarterback change, and McGuire all but confirmed that that is not going to happen. That doesn't really surprise me that much. I think it may have surprised a lot of fans and maybe even some of you listening to this. But grain of salt, I'm I'm trying to make you feel better. So I ran a Twitter poll today, which is always a, that's that's exactly what you expected me to say after that, right? Here's how I make you feel better. I run a Twitter poll. Nice. So t- so today I asked, who had the worst weekend? QB1, who went 29 of 41 for 236 yards, had one touchdown, three interceptions, five sacks, and lost a fumble. Or QB2, who went 24 of 38, 282 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions, four sacks, and lost a fumble. That's close. And I would I'd, I'd give the nod to, to quarterback one there because he had two fewer touchdowns and one more yeah. sack. So QB one had the worst weekend, according to the vast majority of those who voted on this poll. Eighty three percent picked QB one, and that was Josh Allen last mm-hmm. night against the Jets. QB two was Tyler Shuck. So that puts a couple things in perspective. One. Josh Allen's a Pro Bowl NFL quarterback who was an MVP candidate for at least a couple seasons. And he had a, a really bad night. And without knowing anything, as upset as everybody was with Tyler Shuck, they still picked Josh Allen's stats as being worse than Shuck's. Now, both team, both of their teams lost the game. I'm sure a lot of it was because of the quarterback play on both teams but all I can try to to pump a little sunshine is is show that maybe that was an anomaly. Maybe there's a chance that, you know, even if somebody like Josh Allen can have a night like that, Tyler Shuck can have a night like that and bounce back and things will be better. This is the best time for that to happen. Uh, possibly some tweaks on the offense, possibly some ways to get Taj Brooks more involved or just involved, period. He's Just he's a glorified ball. fullback right now. Let the man run with the ball. Um, and, and is it because I think Valdez was out? You know, maybe they were worried about running back depth. 
but Valdez was available in Laramie. So I, I don't understand it. Um, I know you want to go tempo, but good night. You know, you also want to move the damn sticks. So why don't we give the ball to the running back, see what happens. That might be a good way to kind of, uh, you know, bring that back into the, you know, the, the play sheet this week versus Tarleton state. But I, I just thought, man, these two stat lines are too similar for QB one and QB two. 83% of you thought Josh Allen had a worse night without knowing it was him than Tyler Shuck did. And that just kind of shows how bad it was a, and hopefully B that surely that won't happen again. Right. So that's what I'm choosing to go for. Josh Allen's performance was bad enough. They've lost to an Aaron Rodgers less Jets. Yeah, and the big the big joke going around is that Josh Allen has will finish the season with more completions to Jets Jets players than uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Which I'm not making fun of Aaron Rodgers going down and getting hurt. I don't. No, it really sucks for him and the Jets. Absolutely, it sucks. But it's just the nature of finding humor in something in such a crappy situation. I mean, and I'm not a Jets fan, so it's. I doubt very many of you y'all are either. So it's it's just interesting. You know what's interesting, Michael? Mm -hmm. There was a stretch defensively in this game where you held Oregon to three points on five of their drives. And I'm not saying they scored three points on five drives. I'm saying over five, a stretch of five possessions for Oregon they scored only three points. Defensively, I know we were we were kind of frustrated about how, how the game went down and, and especially how you know they were able to take um to retake the lead. Uh I know we, we were kind of frustrated about that big play. Um they had a statistically decent game. And of those five drives, three were three and outs. Yeah. And there are a lot of offenses you'll see in the Big 12 on your schedule not as good as Oregon's, especially talent-wise. You're not going to I don't think you'll see anybody t- as talented as Oregon except for maybe Texas. Statistically like you may you know, like you'll have some teams that may get close to like a S&P plus type but like Anyways, um I, I, there's nothing really else to say about the pass rush. I think two games in, you are what you are. This is, I think we were sold a lot on our, our defensive line and pass rush that we're just not going to have. Um, no. I think you saw some some additional, some more bad tackling angles and technique. A lot of that's going to be due to the opponent and their speed. Um, they just put you in a bad spot. Um. So I, I I I don't know where to where to land. Like how how bad is it really? Uh, I I guess you know another data point this weekend will help. But again, it's it's Charleston State, man. I don't know how much you can learn from from a game like that unless you lose. Um, <laughs> but supposedly over the season so far, over these two games, you have you've only allowed one completion more than fifteen yards down the field, and that was the the bomb to uh, Troy Franklin on Saturday. 
uh, everything else has been yards at the catch, which is just, again, pursuit angles, bad tackling, um, something you can teach, you can improve on, um, especially because you're not going to be facing a talented offense again. So special teams, uh, again, like hindsight here, maybe would have been the, the better call to, to, to punt there on, on fourth down, uh, knowing that how it turned out, but you obviously, you don't know, you don't have the, the, the benefit of hindsight. And, um, I know we talked about this in one of the games last season. I can't remember, um, when you're all in on, on the analytical model, the statistical model that you're using and it says go for it, like you don't really want to get in the business of second guessing that and then you're just negating any benefit and uh, advantage that may be giving you. If you're like, well, I don't like that call anymore. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore that. That screams of Gundy, right? Like he, he, he <laughs> talked about that. Um, and he talked about like just more head in the sand stuff, like how he hates the transfer portal and, and want, doesn't want to use it so much. And, uh, he wants to be able to opt out of, of analytical models telling him to go for it here or, you know, kick a field goal or whatever. He's like, uh, it, I'm just going to go by gut. I was like, well, going by gut is what we're trying to get away from. Um, so like you, you, you know, you have the great, you know, the great leg on Austin McNamara, but you also don't want to be getting into the business of second guessing, um, all the data you have in front of you. But, um, Garcia was one of two on the night. Now he's two of five on the season. I don't like that. He's really three of six because he made that one in Laramie <laughs> the first time. Yeah, sure. It doesn't count. And the but... guy hasn't, he has yet to kick one less than 40, 43 or something. They're, they're just, they're hanging him out there. They're, he's like the International Space Station, just just floating out there. Uh, get get Gino out there. Fifty six yards, fine, no problem. And I think he's got it. Hopefully, we could just get closer. I mean, what the hell? This <laughs> offense should be able to get closer than fifty six yeah. freaking yard field goals. Let's let's get the guy a little bit of a cushion, man. Let's let's get some thirty eight yarders in this in this building. I would I would enjoy that. I would celebrate a thirty one yard field goal attempt. I mean, Oregon. I mean, all night. 23 yard, 34 yard, 28 yard. I mean, they weren't asking him to kick from the moon. Yep. Poor Gino's back there. Bombing him from almost 60. Yeah. He's, he's got like freeze dried yogurt and he's, he's out on the, (laughs) on a spacewalk back there getting loose. Give the guy, let let him scoot up a little bit. Um, the big plays I want to talk about really quickly before we wrap this up. Cause like I said, we are, we are just obliterating this dead horse. I didn't <laughs> like, uh, the two point conversion attempt. Uh, it felt like you were chasing points. Um, we are still early enough in the game that like, I don't, I don't know how that should have helped you. But again, like, um, if, if, if they're looking at it and it says that you're, you're down by eight, you score a touchdown and you have this much time left, like you should go for it. So again, like McGuire said in, in, in the comments, I don't know if it was post game or today that it was an analytical call 
I, I wrote in the notes something a little more harsh. I, just, I have a hard time. Like, I, I don't think he was using that as a, as a defense uh, and saying like, oh, I, I, I made a bad call. I'm just going to blame it on analytics. But man, I just, again, this is going back to what I, what I just said. Like, you don't want to, you, you, you want to get away from your gut feeling, but like chasing points is a gut feeling thing that we, we've been kind of beat over the head with all, all you know, so long um, that just it puts you in a bad spot. And I think you just, you, you played into that. Like you were the the example of why you don't want to do that. Had you been able to pick up those three yards and, and, and convert it, it's a different story, right? Like it's a, it's a tie game. It's not like this, you don't have this weird back and forth um, and how that changed the outcome and the play calling throughout the rest of the game. I don't know. Um, and we are talking about that fourth down. So going into the game, I, I predicted Oregon to win this uh, and, and to cover uh, and <laughs> backdoor cover. They did um, with that pick six there with what, like 30 seconds left. Um, but man, I hate that that we were right here because you, 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 yeah. you, you, pre- you predicted a little bit more lopsided victory for Oregon. He said it was uh, going to be a, a 10 point game. Um, yes. we held them to a touchdown fewer. Well, I guess two touchdowns fewer because really your defense only gave up the 31 points. You said 45, you gave up 31. Uh, I, I, I thought it could have gotten really ugly. Uh, had the, had the Oregon offense done what they did to you on the, on their second drive where they just bombed it deep and you're like, man, if we can't, we can't match their speed or, you know, scheme that kind of thing out of it. We're going to be, we're going to be in trouble, but you did. Yeah. You didn't give up any more giant plays like that. Uh, there were times when it felt like they could do whatever they wanted. Um, but there were also long stretches where like when we pointed out, you had three of five drives there in the middle of the game where you forced three and out and you only held, you held them to just three points. So I don't hate the defensive performance this weekend, uh, outside of the tackling technique and the pass rush, but that just may be who you are this year. So, uh, the only other thing I want to touch on Michael to get to six and six this year, just to get to six and six, you're going to have to go five and four in big 12 play, assuming you win this weekend. I don't well, think and that's that no, big of a question, but you have to that's go no five big and deal. four. Well, I, you did that no. last year. Yeah, you did it last year. Now, granted, that was the first time you'd won five conference games since 2009. But no, one, you, we didn't have to mention that. I shouldn't have mentioned that. Different yeah. regime, different group. Five just, and four. It's a new normal. Right. But that only gets you to six and six, which is a regression from last year. Yeah. Yes. So doing yeah. what you did last year is going to get you a worse record than what you got last year. Make that make sense. All right, 45 minutes in. Let's turn let's turn to this weekend, man. Let's turn the page. Let's put Oregon to to bed here. Tarleton State Texans come into town this weekend. Uh SP plus has Texas Tech dropping another couple of spots, 47 overall. Uh Tarleton State's not 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 factored. But they are led by Todd Witten. He's at 14th season as their head coach. Um they are competing in the newly formed United Athletic Conference, a merger of the WAC and the Athletic, the ASUN. Interestingly enough, Michael, the Tarleton State web development team is struggling, man. They have WAC oh, no. all over the website. They don't have an updated 
coaches roster since 2019. Man, I noticed some of that too. So I'm, I'm not fully, you know, Witten's 98-50 record as head coach. I'm not 100% confident in that number. <laughs> that may not be accurate. What we do know is accurate is they are scoring 52 points a game this season. They, yes, that we can confirm. They beat, they started on the road at McNeese 52-34. Week two, home versus North Alabama 52-31. So not great defensively given up what is that 32 and a half points per game against McNeese and North Alabama, but offensively they look pretty good against their yeah. competition last season. They went six and five year before that six and five. Um, 2020 was their first season in D one. They went five and three before that 11 and one. Those are last, like I said, last in the D two Lone Star conference. Um, this weekend, uh, they will be coming up against the number one eighty-one S and P Plus defense. Um, I did not take any of this out. My bad. That's all from last week. Um, they are giving up two hundred eighty. No, sorry, flip that. Offensively for the Texans, they are gaining two hundred eighty-five yards to the air, two hundred sixteen on the ground. That's five hundred total yards of offense just about seven yards per play um, converting more than 46% of their third downs and 63% of their fourth downs. Yeah. And as far as scoring, let me see. I had this here and then I lost it. They're pretty balanced. I think they have five rushing touchdowns and seven passing in the in their in their first two games and so, as you just said you know the yardage is pretty balanced as well how are they scoring 104 points and scored i guess that's 12 touchdowns though so yeah they are led offensively by quarterback victor gabalis gabalis i don't know sophomore 63210 uh is completing just about 60 percent of his passes 650 yards seven touchdowns three interceptions he has run the ball eight times, 44 yards, but that's not what they're going to ask him to do. Finally, Michael, finally, we're not going to face a running quarterback. Although maybe maybe he's going to pick up just enough to be uh, annoying since he does have eight and has positive yards. So those aren't all sta- those aren't all sacks. Previously played for at Washington State, transferred down to Utah Tech, uh, where he played in 11 games for them last season. Uh Started five, was three and two as a starter. Uh, interestingly enough, at Utah Tech, Michael, he played against Tarleton State and beat them. Um, yeah, I think we have a real Colin Schooler situation yeah. kind of going on here. In reverse, though. But yeah, yes. Uh, last season led the team uh, with 1,950 passing yards on 258 attempts, 17 touchdowns. Um, on the ground, they have got a couple of really good running backs. Daryl Kelly. Daryl Kelly the third, excuse me, uh, 26 attempts, 194 yards, six and a half yards per carry, two touchdowns. And then if it's not Kelly, it's uh, Kayvon Britton, 33 carries, 154 yards, so four and a half yards per carry and three more touchdowns. Uh, through the air, 
Keelan Johnson had himself a game. He's only played one game for them this year, but obviously had a breakout this past weekend against North Alabama. Seven catches, 255 yards. That's good for 36 yards per catch, four touchdowns. So four touchdowns on seven receptions, 36 yards per catch. Um, Their next guy, Benjamin Omiyebu, I believe is an inside receiver, 11 catches, 104 yards. You do the math, just about 10 yards per catch there. No touchdowns just yet. Um, So 300, um, nope, those are all, those are all Oregon numbers I gave you earlier. Sorry. 322 passing yards per game, 11 and a half yards per attempt for the Texans, 196 yards on the ground. 5.3 yards per attempt there. They are converting just about 42% of their third and fourth down attempts and scoring 52 points per game. Um, Defensively for Tech, giving up 255 yards through the air, six and a half yards per attempt. That number's been coming down since last season. Yards on the ground, 142 per game, 3.8 yards per carry. That number's coming down from last season. Although giving up 51% of third and fourth down conversions, which is horrendous. And opponents are scoring 37 points per game against you. Offensively, Michael, they are a, an up-tempo yeah. air raid type of team, but they've got weapons on at running back as well. Um, so I would expect a pretty balanced attack from them. Um, Obviously, when they've got two running backs that are averaging four and a half and six and a half yards per carry, why wouldn't you use those guys? Then you have a weapon outside like Keelan Johnson who can torch you for 36 yards per catch. Got a pretty good uh, offensive there. Defensively, um, they are giving up 266 passing yards per game, 150 on the ground, uh, converting allowing teams to convert 38% on third downs, 56% on fourth downs, limited numbers in just two games, only nine attempts on fourth downs so far. Uh, the uh, red flag that I got looking through their their defensive stats, they're led in tackles by a defensive back. Usually not what you want to see. Now, guys, two we, and three. We've seen that ourselves. <laughs> guys, two and three on their tackle lists. Uh, leaders are, are running, are, sorry, Linebackers, Quayshawn Johnson and DJ Harris. Sorry, Quayshawn Washington and DJ Harris are their linebackers. They're, like I said, two and three on their tackle list. Um, they are, they've got a pass rush. They've got eight sacks so far on the young season. Uh, they're led uh, by two guys that have two apiece. One is Ote Baker from Mesquite, Texas, where I come from. Did not play for my high school, played for our rival just down the street, Mesquite High School. And then the other guy is linebacker Cayman Lane. Um, so 200, again, considering that their competition, they're, they're giving up 266 yards through the year on 5.1 yards per attempt, which is pretty salty if, if that's what they're going to do against their own conference. Hopefully Texas Tech is able to skew more towards their average of 7.3 yards per attempt. Um, the big difference here is they're giving up almost 150 yards on the ground, 3.6 yards per carry where Texas tech is averaging 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, 
they allow teams to convert 41% of the third and fourth down conversions, and they're scoring 32.5 points per game. So there should be a point scored for Texas Tech here. Uh, you shouldn't be able to get you know yardage through the air, yardage on the ground. Facetiously, Michael, I wrote down 100 to 0 here for Texas Tech. That's my prediction. Uh, I think anything less, you're still going to get some people groaning. Um, I think Tyler Shuck starting is going to get people groaning. If Taj Brooks doesn't lead you in carries, they're going to be people groaning. Um, there's a turnover. I don't know. Any, there's not really much that you can – you're not going to make anybody feel better about the 0-2 start by beating the crap out of Tarleton State. Yeah. So. It, it's These games happen every year, but usually it's the first game. So we go into the quote unquote real season feeling okay, but also untested. And so this is a different reaction for me to have gone through some tough, um, you know, FBS teams and then hit the team that you're expected to take care of business at home, all that good stuff. Um, it, it is a weird dynamic and it's, it's hard to kind of read it because now all of a sudden what feels like the middle of the season, which it's not, then you're going to have this game, which will probably make nobody feel better about anything. No, this is like the worst time to, 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 to face a team like this on your schedule. Cause like you said, you want to start with this, this team or have them late enough that it's more like a break, uh, kind of how you, yeah. you see like the sec schedule, these kind of teams in the like November. Yeah. Um, week three when you're 0-2 man like no amount of running the score up is going to make you feel any better it's what you want to see um, unfortunately but I, I I I saw you type in your score prediction and honestly like that's that that feels about right um, I took a few points off uh, I'm saying 45-17 a comfortable victory for tech. It's not close after like half. That's, um, that's where I'll, that's where I'm going. Like I've got 48, 21, but I do think it's going to be, I would not be surprised if tech goes into halftime with a 21, 14 lead or something like that. Like they only, they quote unquote only go into halftime with a touchdown lead. That wouldn't surprise me too much. And then hopefully they'll, come out and run away and overpower and do what they're supposed to do. But, you know, Tarleton state has uh, an offense that can pass the ball and, you know, they've been able to score a lot of points. I don't think they're just going to lay down because we're big, mighty Texas tech. So defense is going to have to play and hopefully they can get to this quarterback. We've yet to really see that yet this year. That that's probably the thing I will look for the most just to see if it's possible to see if this is a thing that could be counted on at any point um, for the remaining games. Sure. And if it can't, if, if it can't this weekend, then I think we can just write it off as, you know, Bradford and Hutchings are going to be great at stopping the run and they're, they are doing their job. Absolutely. But we're just not going to get anything on the edge and chalk that up to maybe next year. But that's what I would really hope to see is some some sort of pass rush, as you've mentioned. But mm-hmm. I do think it's going to be one of those games that's kind of un- uncomfortably close for a little bit. But then Tech will win. I'm not going to be the guy that's, oh, well, Tech's going to get, man, I don't know. 
and see how we go. That Stephen F. Austin is going to be another one of them, one of them Houston Baptist Christians. See, I think it would go the opposite. I, I, I think they would score more late and kind of closing out. Like I, I, I could see it like twenty-eight or thirty-one to seven at half. Oh, I see. But then, and then you, we let off the gas or something. Yeah, you only score like ten more points in the second half. Um, I don't know. Well, that shouldn't be true because if you're up by that much in the second half, Morton should be in there, and you know then then Tech should score like thirty points with him, right? I would like to see Morton play, um, and like as the Tech fan of me, I want to see him play because or not because Shuck is hurt. Like I'm not I'm not rooting for Shuck to be hurt or anything, uh, but for him to come in and play, uh, especially after. All the the things that have been said about Shuck so far, like you you almost want them to like leave Shuck in conservatively though, but like leave him in to to kind of work things out. Um, mm-hmm. But like you would take like a big lead to get more in there. So yep, yep. So we're I mean obviously we're both predicting a win. I do think Charlton State could give Tech a little bit of trouble briefly, but uh, you know I. I have not been a fly on the wall in that locker room, but I would like to be because I think these guys are pissed. And so that maybe they may take out a little bit of frustration on Saturday night. I'm hoping that's what happens. And just, just a reminder to us all, myself included, if the quarterback you don't want to play is playing, he's still wearing the double T he's got the double T on the side, whether it's flat or beveled, you got to root for the guy. And then, you know, you can still always have that hypothetical in your bag that if something goes wrong, well, your quarterback would have done it different. Yep. That 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 disprovable hypothetic, hypothetical, which is always a great argument to have the the strawest of straw man. Morton would have converted that fourth and two, man. I just know. Oh, it. he should. He would have. He would have. He would have thrown it backwards. He would have uh, reverted that call to an RPO. He would have thrown to Jordan Brown. He would have scored there. Um, absolutely. Let's look around. Can't, the, can't prove it wrong, man. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's look around the rest of the Big Twelve and then uh, wrap this thing up. What do you say? <clears throat> I Excuse think that's me. a good idea. All right, Saturday. Uh, you are not the only team, um, playing a cupcake. You've got LIU at Baylor. <clears throat> I think this is one of like Baylor's ten home games this year. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a joke, but they are also zero and two. Now, granted. Um, I think Wyoming is better than Texas State. Uh, Utah and Oregon are obviously up there. Uh, or Utah may be the better overall team. I think Utah's picked to win the Pac-12, whereas Oregon would be competing for the big for the Pac-12. Um, but they're also zero and two. They they have a get right opportunity this weekend against LIU. Missouri at Kansas State. We actually have a line on this one. Kansas State as of tonight was a four and a half point favorite. Uh, they are two and zero on the season. Not quite tested yet, though. Southeast Missouri and Troy so far. Kansas State scoring 43.5 points per game. Yeah, which is crazy to say. I'd, I'd absolutely take Kansas State here. Four and a half favorites at home against did, Mizzou. I mean, that's a big game. Did they, you won, see, they won there last year, I think, handily. I think so, too. Did you see the comments from uh, Missouri head coach uh, Drinkowitz or Dorkowitz, whatever you want to call him? Uh, no. Trying to say that he doesn't know Colin Klein or that he played for for Kansas State. Is he trolling? I don't know. 
it's also hard to like, he's a coach there now too, man. It's like, how do you not know this? He had to know that. Um, Iowa State. One and one on the season after taking down Northern Iowa and then losing a heartbreaker to Iowa. Just a touchdown. Uh, on the road, road favorite at Ohio. Two and a half point favorite. I have yet to watch away from this. Yet to watch any Iowa State football, partially because we don't play them this season. Um, yeah. I just have no no care about Iowa State. Um, well, like the other night at Oklahoma State playing Arizona State, I was watching that for a while. I was like, why am I watching this? <laughs> I just I don't know. I just kind of got so used to playing Oklahoma State. I just yeah. Well, I'm, it's on. I guess I'll watch it. Oklahoma going up the road to Tulsa. They are four touchdown favorite, twenty seven and a half points. Um, last week they they only scored twenty eight points, so maybe that's a bit rich. But uh, seventy three to zero versus Arkansas State made uh, made their head coach cry on the sideline, and then twenty eight to eleven versus SMU. What? Did you not see that? No. Um, who's the coach of Arkansas State? It's like um, Butch Jones, maybe? Like, it's somebody that wasn't, like, he stepped into a, a lesser role. Hold on. Gotcha. Arkansas State football head coach. Yeah. Butch Jones is crying on the sideline. No. Then go look oh, it up. that sucks. Um... And it was like wild, like 73 to zero. It wasn't like, I don't know. He just, he was feeling it for his players, man. Uh, Villanova at UCF. UCF is 2-0 and so far on the season after taking down Kent State in week one and then surviving in Boise on the blue turf, 18 to 16. They will move to 3-0. and uh, Miami of Ohio got some what do they call this area? Like the rust belt up there? I don't know. I think so. We got some Ohio on Ohio violence here with uh, Miami of Ohio making the trip to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a two touchdown favorite, 14 and a half. Uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise 2-0 since they, they did have the upset uh, at Pitt last week, but they may be better suited uh, for this season than, than we gave them credit for. Uh, would probably take them to to win and cover. Another another thing, uh, I believe it's Frogs of War who posts the quarterback rating of every Big Twelve quarterback. Is that Stats of War? Stats of War. I don't know. <laughs> I just know he's a TCU fan. But I think he's part of Frogs of War, which I think is anyways. Go Maybe on. so. Sorry. Um, apologies to all the TCU fans out there. I'm sure. But it's just droves of them listening to the, to the podcast. So since he won, like you mentioned at Pitt, and one thing I thought that was interesting, um, their quarterback rating was worse than Tyler Shucks, but they still somehow won on the road. So I, I meant to look into how that happened. Maybe the defense came up with a, a timely turnover, but I think Pitt was playing catch up. Like it was 21 to 10 or something at one point and Pitt had to kind of come back into it since he kind of quit scoring. Yeah. Uh, he, oh, he, Butch Jones was at Tennessee, wasn't he? Yep. Crap. Okay. Uh, he was at Tennessee, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and then Tennessee. 
And he was at Arkansas yeah, since State. Yeah, He was a special assistant to Nick Saban at Alabama. Yeah, Cincinnati didn't score in the fourth quarter. So they were up 27-7 going into the fourth, and Pitt scored 14 in the fourth. So it was kind of sort of lopsided there for a while, which is strange. So, yeah, I would I would take them to cover this week. This line made me laugh, Michael. South Alabama making the trip up to Stillwater. The Cowboys are a seven-point favorite at home versus South Alabama. Ouch. They, they have a, play, a habit so far of playing into whoever they're playing against this they, season. They only beat Central Arkansas by, by uh, 14 points, 27-13. On the road at Arizona State, also scored 27 points, beat them by two touchdowns, 12 points. Um, is are, are they on upside alert, right, Michael? At home versus the Jaguars? No, I don't think so. I think they will win twenty-seven to fourteen, yeah, or something I'd, like that. Probably just just cover that, but judging by the mean, but uh, it they did have a comeback win. I mean, I think it was Arizona State was up fifteen to ten, and Oklahoma State scored seventeen unanswered to finish the game. Well, good for the Cowboys, man. Good oh, yeah. See, see, it's a good thing I watched that, the end of that game, or part of it at least. BYU in Rotate Fayetteville. quarterbacks. Yeah. BYU yeah. on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, BYU is also 2-0 and on this season, but they have had – I mean, Sam Houston's technically an FBS school now, but they had basically two FCS opponents, Sam Houston and Southern Utah. Um. I don't think it'll be a 10-point game. I think it'll be more than that. I would take Arkansas on the points here because I, but I haven't kept up with Arkansas. I, I don't know. Well, they but don't to, have to, uh, to only score 14 at home versus a FPS's first FBS game. It's not a good sign to take that on the road to Fayetteville. Now the Hogs don't have uh, Kendall Bryles on offense anymore, but I'm sure they'll be fine. Uh, Pitt backyard brawl in Morgantown, basically a pick'em. Pitt was a, a one-point favorite. Um, West Virginia is one and one on the season, losing at Penn State, uh, and then taking down Duquesne. Uh, looking at the stats of war previews, I think it's pretty close, but I think West Virginia actually has a slight statistical advantage to win this one. I think it's like 55 45 on his little metric thing, but I didn't look at it too closely. Uh, man, a loss here would just send Pitt reeling, but I don't have confidence in Neil Brown. So I think Pitt gets right here. I am gonna. I'm, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say West Virginia beats an actual geographical rival in their own stadium. Okay, that probably a pretty fun and entertaining game to watch as it was last year. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. But I'll, they also I'll, had I'll try to focus. tune into this one. Yeah. Um, I was a little sad when, when I saw this line. Michael Wyoming making the trip to Texas. 29 and a half point favorites. 
Ooh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this one too, even though I don't want to. And it's, it's a different scenario. It's Wyoming on the road. It's, is elevation going to be an issue in Austin? Has anyone considered this? The air is going to be too thick. It's going to be too thick. <laughs> We've got to, got to limit the, the, is, too is much the humidity. Oxygen. Has anyone factored in the humidity in Austin versus the dry aridness that is beautiful Wyoming? What's the weather in Austin this weekend? Let's check it out. I really don't care. Did you say the line? I, I hopefully I didn't interrupt 29 you. 29 and a half. Okay, sorry. You may have said it. Um, High of 85 and raining. Oh, that's going to be balmy. Give me Wyoming to cover uh, as an emotional. I, I I don't want to believe in Texas. They did beat Alabama, and I didn't watch any of the game. I didn't watch any of the highlights. No, but beating Alabama by 10 in Tuscaloosa. Uh, yeah, Nothing that, to sneeze at. That, that, may, that may be highlighting some deficiencies on Alabama's side, but still, it's impressive. I will say it. Uh, although, if you look at the, if you look at Texas Twitter, they seem far too concerned with Texas Tech being zero and two than they are being two and zero. Yeah, it's it's sad that they have to look at our school so much, and we are their Super Bowl. Yep. So I, I'm with you. I would take Wyoming plus twenty nine and a half. That's a lot of points, no. regardless of the, the the opponent, man. Yeah, and knowing that if Texas is truly legit, they may win by 27 yeah. or something, but Wyoming would still cover. I, I, I just think Wyoming's better than Rice. Um, yep. Although Rice, we're getting to that one. Rice had an upset of their own this weekend, but, man, I, I am going to keep my eyes on this one, the eyes on Texas. Oh, God, walked right into it. I, ugh. I don't like what I think I'm going to see with this game. I yeah. think it's going to frustrate me to no end. Get a conference game in Houston. Yeah. TCU's seven-point favorite at Houston. Um, you mentioned Rice. They they took down Houston uh, in double overtime last week, which was a two former Big 12 quarterbacks playing for new teams. And uh, Donovan Smith... And the guy from West Virginia, what's his name? Not Gary Green. Oh, I don't know. The guy I didn't that even know this until you were saying it. The guy that started for, for West Virginia for forever last year, for most of the games, transferred from like USC. What's his oh, name? Oh, crap. I know who you're talking. Yeah, Green was the guy that they would put in in the red zone or something. Yeah, whatever. So, whatever. That, that was last week. He, he's playing for Rice now. Um, TCU seven point favorite on the road at Houston. Uh, TCU lost a close one opening weekend to Colorado. Um, JT Daniel, JT Daniels. There you go. And then beat this not out of Nichols 41 to six. Um, give me TCU to cover. I don't know if Houston can, can keep up with TCU. It looks like their offense is going to be decently good. Uh, and I don't think the Houston offense is going to be decently good. So TCU to cover on the road at Houston. I would agree with that. I it's, It still remains to be seen how good Colorado is. But if they are a, an overall good team, TCU was able to put 42 on them. Of course, it was at home. 
So they should have, uh, you know, 41 to six versus Nichols. Okay. Nothing but yeah, Houston there. really struggled. Yeah. Houston really struggled to score against UTSA. UTSA is a good team, but that was at home. I'm with you. I, I think TCU would cover the seven here. Um, did you see that Colorado is going to be hosting both big noon and uh, game day? They're hosting both college pregame shows. I did not see that. Um, I know that's happened before. Mm-hmm. They announced the the game day stuff like almost as soon as their game went final this past weekend. I think they were looking for an excuse. I think had Colorado lost versus Nebraska, they may have paused a little bit, but they won like, no, we're going. I'm going to Boulder. Well, who does Colorado play this weekend? I think Did they a, start off with I think three Power 12. 5 games in a row? I think they can get a, a Pac-12 game. Hold on. Colorado football schedule. What a... Colorado what a State. Gauntlet of a schedule. Oh, okay. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. That's interesting. No. Well, and, unless it, they announced Deion it Deion Sanders, that's what makes sense. Unless I missed the date and they announced it for the following weekend, the 23rd, where they're... No, because they're in Oregon. But like the Colorado-Oregon matchup could be good. Yeah, um, that'd be a but that'd be, be a great one. They'll be in Eugene, and then they get USC at home the next week. That would be pretty good too. USC in Boulder. Maybe they just want to strike while the iron's hot. Colorado they lose a couple. Colorado up to 18th in the rankings right now. Uh, That's final. crazy. So they're they're going to Boulder for Buffs Rams. Yeah, I I shouldn't I shouldn't complain because. How many times does it feel like they go to the same eight places? Yeah, it was. You know, they're going to go to Austin at some point this year. They're going to go to Tuscaloosa if they haven't already. They're going to go to uh, Athens Athens or wherever the heck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Clemson or, yeah. Yeah. Fort, whatever. Where's Notre Dame? (laughs) Uh, Lafayette? No, that's Purdue. Where do they play? Who? It doesn't matter. Indiana. Fort something, Indiana. I, don't, I can't remember what it is. Last Big 12 game, Kansas. Huge favorites on the road at Nevada. Uh, Nevada may be trash, but 27 and a half points. Give me Kansas to cover this, man. They're 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 on something this year. I told you. I, I, you I, did. I, I want to be right about something. Uh, Kansas, 48-17 versus Missouri State, and then 34-23 versus the Fighting Burts. Uh, and they they were rolling early. Illinois came back a little bit and closed that gap, but uh, it looked a whole lot worse for Illinois than the final score would indicate. Um, like I said, Nevada may be complete trash, and it will be a road game, but, man, Jalen Daniels and uh, Devin Neal are something, dude. I'm going to take 27.5 is a lot on the road. I'm going to take Nevada plus 27.5, but soft i'm scared about it i'm scared about it because this is it's all fun in games when kansas is good and exciting at football until you look down and you realize that tech's got to play them so i i'm enjoying this while i can and then at some point i'm gonna be very very nervous yeah um All right, that's all that's all we have. Let's get to uh, what do we learn, that's Michael? It. Yeah, what did we learn? What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
No either. I learned, it was reinforced, but learned that um, ESPN will stop at nothing to pump love to the to the, the Pac-12, which is ironic given that nobody oh, wanted them. Is. They were hammering the fact that, oh, the Pac-12 is undefeated, the Pac-12 is undefeated, and they, then they talked about there was only one loss, but they didn't talk about the Colorado-Stanford loss. There was some other teams like, again, y'all realize that like there was a conference game this weekend and one of the game, one of the teams were going to lose. Like There was going to be a blemished record there somewhere. They are loving the Pac-12 right now. Which I, if if I were a Pac-12 fan, I would be supremely frustrated with that. I was like, yes, you didn't love us six months ago, no, but or six weeks ago, any of the time when they're they in ne- with negotiations, when they're in negotiations and they're like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to deal with Washington State. We don't want anything to do with Oregon State. Um, you know, you'd be better off just flying across the country to play Maryland than dealing with anybody over there, then we would entertain some sort of TV deals. Uh, yeah, I don't... If I were a Pac-12 fan, it would just be really sour grapes the entire time. Oh, man, just all these storied games. The Pac-12's really... Yeah, it's it's a lot. And then the, the teams they're taunting... Or not taunting, but... Uh, yeah, Colorado's in the Pac-12 for now. Mm-hmm. They're not. I mean, th- th- all of them are Pac-12 in name only, except except poor Oregon State and Washington State. Yeah, that's just frustrating. Quick check uh, of the AP top twenty-five, Michael. There are eight Pac-12 teams currently ranked. <sighs> Two of them actually like surprise me. That isn't it. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I just said it's going to be like that, isn't it? Probably. So USC at number five, uh, Washington at nine, at eight, um, Utah at 12, Oregon 13, Oregon State at 16, Colorado 18, Washington State 23, UCLA 24. Yeah, Washington State took it to Wisconsin this weekend. I think pretty convincingly too. I think they won by a couple scores. Wyoming is, is big 10 is not goals. having a good time. No. Illinois beat you on the road in, in Lawrence or Illinois loses in Lawrence. I mean, uh, Nebraska lost to Colorado and that's a huge rivalry game for Colorado fans. Uh, so that meant a lot, but yeah, there, there's, Big Ten's not off to a roaring start. It's a shame. Texas is a big mover this week, up seven spots to number four. They basically just switched spots it's, with Alabama, who dropped seven spots, but they're at 10. Yeah. That seems really high to go to top five, but... Yeah. It's a lot of love for Alabama. That's It's an impressive win based off what we know. Yeah. Um. Uh, Colorado moved up four spots. Ole Miss moved up a few spots. So, and then a bunch of teams that are in the bottom of the rankings weren't ranked last week. So Duke, Miami, Washington State, UCLA, Iowa, all unranked. Oregon State went from unranked to 16. 
Wait, no. What did they do this weekend? They. Oh, okay. Because I thought they they were ranked to begin with. Um, Okay. Sorry. Duke, Miami, Washington State, UCLA. Well, I don't know that. They don't have a trend number, but that doesn't mean they didn't move into the rankings. Gotcha. So, So Oregon State. Let's see. You're getting some love from that Clemson quarterback transfer. The way Google does this stuff just really annoys me. This is not helpful because these games are all out of order. Those are from 2022. What are we talking about? Helpful. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they beat. Yeah, they started off ranked and they just haven't lost yet. That's really all it is. They beat San Jose State 42 to 17 and UC Davis 55 to 7. They play football there? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So they're still ranked because they haven't lost. They play San Diego State this weekend, and then they finally will play someone. They will play Washington State. Interesting. The the resentful two. <laughs> Did you see that they Hate, they hateful they, two? They filed that uh that uh restraining order to keep other yeah. Pac twelve teams from meeting in big like a Pac twelve commissioners. Like you guys don't get a vote in the Pac twelve anymore. Like, well, but yeah. uh, like, can't y'all just meet without everybody else? Like, why do you, you don't have to call it Pac-12 board meeting or board of regions, whatever. It's like, you just need your own meeting with Washington State. And the Oregon litigating, State. the litigators, that's what they, the, the litigating yeah. duo. I don't, I don't know. All right. So what did you learn, Michael? I learned that one of the voices of Texas, unfortunately, passed away on Sunday. The news hit on Sunday evening, so I'm not sure when it actually happened, but Charlie Robinson, who was a very influential artist in the, whatever you want to call it, the quote-unquote Texas country red dirt scene. But um, he and his brother Bruce each have their own, you know, their own careers, their own styles. But uh, really, I really gravitated toward Charlie Robinson. I loved his voice. He just sounds like people in West Texas sound when they sing it. I can't explain it. It was, it's always, he had one of those voices that if I could sing, I would like to sound like Charlie Robinson. I think that would be so cool. So he was West Texas. Yes, absolutely. I think that he was from Bandera. So kind of in the South area, but you know, desert ish familiar with, uh, the Permian wrote a song called Loving County, which was all about Loving County, which no one really lived in until recent advances in drilling technology <laughs> in the last 20 years picked up considerably. So he wrote songs a, a lot about, uh, you know, he's got a song called Flatland Boogie and talks about being up on the cap rock in that song. So just really a guy that I really liked, uh, my family really liked, introduced him to me, you know, many years ago. And so they were the first people I thought of. I, they texted me the next day and I texted them too. Like, Oh, I thought of y'all. So anyway, tough time for fans of Charlie Robinson and, and, um, country music. He's, he'd been battling an illness for about five years. He had to retire from performing live because of a, 
I believe he had a botched procedure performed on his throat mm. and it left him to where he couldn't sing. But he had just this past year started making a comeback and started booking more shows. And I think he came to Buddy Holly actually, and I'm really regretting not going to see him when he did. But then just recently he had to cancel some shows and then I believe it was a heart attack that that got him. But 59, so not very young. I mean, not very old at all. But yeah, I had to look up. Just wanted ben, to just wanted to mention that. I had to look up where Bandera, Texas, was. But just just northwest of uh, San Antonio, a little south of Kerrville. Mm-hmm. Don't know where that is. Basically, due west of Bernie. So, I'm pretty sure that's where he's from. I I may be making that up. But hopefully not. But yeah, there's a song. Let's see. Oh, there's there's uh, my hometown. He talks about going, working a pipeline in Lagrange with his buddies, and he says, "But Lagrange was too damn hot, <laughs> so they <laughs> they went back home." But uh, just, I don't know, just the way he wrote, it just kind of reminded me of the way people I grew up with talked and, and phrases they used and how they referenced things. It was just really, it was just like listening to somebody you knew sing and write some songs. So I've been listening to him all week and I probably can, will continue to do so. Um, on a slightly lighter note, though, okay, I would like to say that I learned about a dessert place in town called Delish. I don't know anything about them. I don't know if they're a chain. Wouldn't surprise me if they are. I have no idea. But my wife had been wanting to go there because she's yet to find a cupcake place that she really likes. And so she'd heard this is a new place. It's over by the Super Target. Kind of that area. One of those standalone buildings so it's in the the canyon west shopping center but it's not in the big strip it's like go. just north of it or just, sorry <clears throat> not north of it it's in the parking lot of that yes excellent man it lived up to the name i had a snickerdoodle cookie really loved it and then my six-year-old had an, a cookies and cream cupcake which had hmm. uh cookies and cream icing cookies and cream cake and then there was an oreo actually in the top and then my wife had an oatmeal cream pie cupcake they make their own they make homemade oatmeal cream pie spencer and so they had a cupcake version of that that included like a quarter of a homemade oatmeal cream pie you know stuck in the icing oh man and then it had the 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 cream pie center in the cupcake it's they had much. Nutty Buddy cupcakes. They had, uh, did you ever, did you like snowballs, those um, hostess treats? No, but I've, I've had them Can before. You, okay, so they have a cupcake version of that too that looks just like a, it's got like a mini pink snowball coconut thing on top. I'm looking at, at gelato. Menu. I'm looking at, at their menu now. In terms of cupcakes, they've got a peanut butter cup cupcake. Yes. Uh, strawberry, vanilla, lemon, Wedding. 
So the one you talked about, the, the cookies and cream with the Oreo on top. Yeah, they had Rice Krispie treats made with um, probably about half and half Rice Krispies and Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. They had, had, uh, they had something called cookie. A- Looks pretty good. Yes. And they had an affregato, which I didn't know what that was, but it's gelato mixed with espresso. So you get you a little caffeine boost. I don't even know how they serve it, but it just sounded really interesting to me. And so we we almost, after we ate our desserts, we almost ordered something else before we left. But we decided not to do that. They've got something on their menu called a pie fay. Okay, I did not see that. Pie fay, banana pudding. They don't have pictures on these on the website. Dirt and worms, key lime pie. They got mini cheesecakes. Oh, and they had freeze-dried stuff. Like, uh, or... Oh, what do you call it? Like freeze-dried candy? Nitrogen. Yeah, they had freeze-dried uh, Skittles. Freeze-dried Big Hunk? Those, yes, Big Hunk. Caramel they Apple had, Pops. Mm-hmm. If we weren't so concerned with our, our diet right now, that sounds really good, just to go all out. So I know. We just need some they had a lot. They had a lot of options. So if you're ever on that side of town. We were there tonight, actually. But we weren't <sighs> we weren't at Delish. We weren't went to the second Charles bookstore. Oh man, that's a great place. I picked up a couple movies actually. <laughs> Love to tell you about oh, good it. Good job. I picked up uh, Last Action Hero, one of the stupidest <laughs> movies I've ever watched. But I love I. Oh my gosh! For three dollars or whatever it was, like I I have to have this, Samantha. I'm so sorry. And then we got. I don't um, know how. We got like this, uh, like it was still in the, the like the original packaging from the factory, um, but like the Blu-ray, DVD, digital combo copy of um, Dark Knight Rises for like eight dollars. Like, they yeah. are, yeah. That's I saw that they were re-releasing all three Nolan Batman's somewhere to watch if you want to do that. Did I tell the you theaters. that uh, the, I, I watched the new Batman? The one with, with uh, Edward oh, Robert Pattinson. There we go. <laughs> I was about I'm to sorry. finish it for you. Oh, yeah. Edward Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, maybe. maybe but I was with you. Dude, it was so much darker than I was expecting to be. It's intense, man. That's yeah. like three and a half hour just. Like, I, I, I rolled know. my eyes when I was like. Oh, UFC using, fight. <laughs> like, they're using Robert Pattinson as Batman. This is going to be ridiculous. And I watched it like. Holy crap, man. That was, <laughs> was heavy. Yeah. I felt the exact same way. Because they, they showed him as Bruce Wayne and he was just all... Kind of moody. Like, oh, yeah, moody. yeah. It was like, weird. What in the world? But then when he's Batman, good Lord. Yeah. Take, take it easy, brother. Uh, I also told you I bought that box set of uh, the 007 movies, right? Oh, I, I knew you were on the fence about it. I don't know if I knew you actually pulled the trigger. I did. Like it was, it went on sale. Like it was around Prime Day. It went down to like fifty dollars for the whole set. I was like, I'd be stupid not to. It was like twenty five movies does, in this thing. Does it include the Daniel Craig movies? Uh, all but the last one. Uh, no time to die is not in this set. That's awesome. So you have every single one, but his last one. Yeah. Hey. Oh, okay. I went on mute because it was going to take me a second to get over there. My chair creaks like crazy. 
Um, I was just making sure everything was okay. I thought, man, maybe your wife came in or a kid came in something out. Okay. No. I, oh, I that's go pick up the James cool Bond collection. Box set. Um, and they're, they're, they're organized. So there's the 62 to 77, which I think is all of uh, Sean Connery's. Yeah. They're in this big bad boy. There's a bunch. Yeah. Laz and B's might be in there too, but. 79 to, sure to 02 is in this next one. Also. You've got your. One. Your Moore and your Dalton and your Brosnan. Brosnan's in that one. And then 06 to 15. Part of part of your Brosnan. Yeah, you've got and these the rest all... of your Brosnan would be there. Yeah. No, no, it, it starts with uh, Casino Royale. So this is all Craig. Oh, crap, of course. Yeah, that it, was a lot longer than I thought it was. It does uh, Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. Casino Royale is... I don't know. Top three for me. Top two. That that's an excellent Bond movie to me. I will confess, I'm only two movies in. I've only I, I finished From Russia with Love. I, the next one up is Goldfinger. It, oh man, it just it looks ridiculous it, though with the gold body paint and just you will love the music. Yeah, you appreciate music in movies like I do. The music in this one's pretty awesome. Then this the the second set seventy nine two thousand two starts with Moonraker for your eyes only, License to Kill, Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. Those are all the Brosnan ones. Anyways, yeah, man, I got this whole big box set. It's gonna take me forever to get through it. And I, really I was looking, for I'm looking for No Time to Die, but they didn't have that one. At second, Charles. Anyways, long tangent there. If you're on Prime, I think you can watch it. Okay. But the Craig movies, the interesting thing about those, they're actually sequels. A lot of the other ones are just kind of standalone. So just know the Craig ones you should watch in order. Yeah, I will. I'm going to watch them all in order. I think. Let's get bored of the old ones. <laughs> just skip, skip ahead. I, I, if I did that, I'd probably skip ahead to the Brosnan ones and then start from there going forward. Well, so you said you, what about Dr. No? So that was the first one. Yeah, I watched that one. You did? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just heard. Okay. I missed yeah. up. Just making I, sure. I, I, I said I've watched two and I just finished From Russia With Love. So I watched Dr. No. Got it. Then From Russia With Love. Next is Goldfinger. Then Thunderball. Goldfinger's one of, I, it's like between that and Casino Royale for me, honestly. Actually, no. Goldfinger's my favorite. But that's probably more for nostalgia reasons than yeah. actual quality. <laughs> Anyways, I think that'll do it for us in the 23 personal podcast, yeah. Mike, unless you got something else. <laughs> no, I could talk about James Bond for another 20 minutes. So you, you, you better pull let's, the plug. Let's pull not. it while you can. We've gone 97 minutes of us, so it's plenty. Uh, that'll do it for us. 23 personnel podcast. This was your final wrap on the Oregon game. And then your preview for Tarleton state Texans looking for Texas tech to bounce back in a big way. Um, hopefully get a blowout for everybody concerned, but anyways, that'll do it for us. Catch us on the instant reaction Saturday night for Michael on Spencer. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 personnel podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LVK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.